Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. And I will go a little slower, Sister Gloria, and I get to my points of translating. It says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Turn right over to the book of Leviticus chapter 5, verses 1 and 4. Leviticus chapter 5, beginning at uh, verse 1, and then skip down the first four. It says, if a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify against something he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. Verse number 4. Or if a person thoughtlessly takes an oath to do something or anything, whether good or evil. In any matter, one might carelessly swear about, even though he is unaware of it. In any case, when he learns of it, he will be guilty. Chapter 6. Verses 1 through 7, this one you may not be able to interpret, Sister Gloria. I'm just going to just read this. The Lord said to Moses, if anyone sins and is unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving his neighbor about something entrusted to him or left in his care or stolen, or if he cheats him, or if he finds lost property and lies about it, or if he swears falsely, or if he commits any such sin that people may do, When he thus sins and becomes guilty, he must return what he has stolen or taken by extortion or what was entrusted to him or the lost property he found. So whatever it was he swore falsely about or whatever it was he swore falsely about, he must make restitution in full, add a fifth of the value to it and give it all to the owner on the day he presents his guilt offering. And as a penalty, he must bring to the priest, that is, the Lord, his, off, his guilt offering, a ram from the flock, one without defect and of the proper value. In this way, the priest will make atonement for him before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for any of these things he did that made him guilty. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 16 through 19. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 16 through 19. And again, I will just read these through. If a malicious witness takes a stand to accuse a man of a crime, The two men involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priests and the judges who are in the office at that time, who are in office at that time. The judges may make a thorough investigation. And if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against his brother, then do to him as he intended to do to his brother. You must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people, 
will hear of this and be afraid. And never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, and toenail for toenail. No, I just added that part there. All right. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. And this is what it says. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember... That your brother has something against you? Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. As a title, I've given treating others as God says. That's the title. Treating others as God says. Today we live in a world where people value dishonesty rather than integrity. I don't know if you know that or not. Dishonesty, for far too many people, is valued at a very high price. More than that of integrity. The silent code has come to be valued more than truth. And many people are given high praise when they do not speak up to a truth to what they have heard. Skin color has come to be valued more than truth. And one is commended when they allow evil to rule, when the truth is known to correct a wrong. In the Ten Commandments, commandment number nine, is now given the details of how it is to be carried out, that you are not to bear false witness against your neighbor. But it is also being quiet when the truth is known that would lead to a person being cleared. In Leviticus chapter 5-1, we find that silence is condemned which addresses our first point, which is silence is not the golden rule. Silence is not the golden rule, people. This passage is primarily addressing and dealing with a problem when a person goes to court. The scene in chapter 5 is dealing with court. The person at this time, unlike we do today, may not have taken an oath when you go to testify. The judge or the leader would adjure the person to tell the truth and they would voice this to the person. They would prompt the person and say, you must tell the truth and tell everything that you know, whatever the words were, but it wasn't the person about to tell the truth that took the oath, they were given an oath that they must tell all that they know. 
There are two people that this passage in five addresses that we have in view. It was the other party and it was God. Whenever there is a sin, whenever there is a a charge against someone, a wrongdoing, especially when it comes to violating God's law, God is always offended. He is always one of the parties that's offended. I think that if we would see God when we were about to do something, we would have a change of heart. I bet that if the Lord was looking over your shoulder, there'd be some things you wouldn't do. Pleading or taking the fifth today is what this passage is telling, dealing with. You didn't take the fifth. There was no fifth. There was no fifth, and if a person was inclined to keep silent, then they would have to face the judgment of God Almighty. Now, I don't know anybody that's ever won a battle when it comes to the Lord. Some people think that they can win battles when it comes to challenging God, but I've never seen it happen, even when people think they are getting by. You see, the Bible calls for repentance. He calls for correction. The Lord is dealing with what we, uh, when we think about the Ten Commandments, the first, the commandments are broken down, as we talked about, in two types, or two divisions. The first four deal with man's relationship to God, which we would say is the vertical relationship. Then it deals with relationship to one another. The next six of the ten deal with the horizontal. And it is in this relationship with people that the Lord is addressing how one is to conduct themselves before their neighbors. You don't have the privilege nor the right to be silent when another person you know has not done wrong or when another person has done wrong and a person is being held responsible or their life might even hang in the balances. Lying was dealt with in a most deadly way. When we think of Ananias and Sapphira, we, we think that the church at that time was experiencing not only tremendous growth, but the move of the power of God. And it was during this time when Ananias and Sapphira decided to lie. And, and it was the Lord, the Holy Spirit, that brought about their sudden and immediate death. And do you not know that when the people heard about it, they feared? One of the reasons why punishment is meted out is so that people will take note and not do the same thing. I'm going to bring up a very serious and touchy situation today. And that is in Ferguson, where the black young man was killed. And the officer who shot him. It has been tried to be maintained and, and, and pointed out that it was only a cop and shooting the innocent black man, he was not from all indications. But could it have been done handled differently? Possibly so. But here's the thing that bothers me. There were seven witnesses that confirmed that this gentleman ran towards the officer. But that was not at all really dealt with. There were three autopsies that confirmed there were no bullets to the back. 
But that was not brought up in the media. Do we have a problem with racism and cops? Absolutely we do. But when there's an injustice or there's another side, I don't care who you are, there has to be a speaking up for that which is right and true. And in fact, for those that spoke up, they were threatened. Keep quiet. Don't speak up. We're dealing with a color issue, not the truth. So when there is a misjustice or a misconduct that happens by the police, should we speak up? Absolutely. But when there is also wrongdoing on our part, we speak up as well and say, you were wrong in what you did. Too many things are made out to be racial issues rather than what's the issue. When we investigate, the Lord told the individuals in Deuteronomy, when there is a wrong, you go investigate it. There is no indication in the Bible that color was ever to come into play. You're not going to stand in the judgment court of God and say, God, look at me, a black man. I've been wronged all my life. Take pity upon me and I should enter in. He's looking at what did you do with Jesus? What did, you, did you lie? Did you cheat? Were you living the life that I told you to live? That's the standard. God is a God of justice. And if we don't begin to look at the issues and deal effectively with the situation, we're going to be wrapped up in the majority opinion and say, but wait a minute, what else is there to hear? Yes, we deal and condemn injustice, but by no means do we sit around and allow evil to go down the road unchecked. The Lord says, no way. And as the Lord is setting this in place for his people, he said that when people hear about this, they're going to understand and know that you don't do this because the very same thing could happen to you. How would you feel if your family member was taken and everybody says, I ain't saying nothing, I saw everything happen, I ain't saying nothing. No, you wouldn't be happy. So we must take note and look at all the evidence and see what can be done. Be careful, point two, what you say. Be careful what you say. Today, in order to make your point or to make your oath and promise more palatable or to make it stronger, people make all types of promises. I swear to do such and such. I will give my right leg if I don't do it. And start cutting. <laughs> it is a common thing for people to try to strengthen their word or to gain more credibility by making faultless oaths or promises. God says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Do you not know that your word, if you've got to add all these bolstering things to it, then your word don't count much, it don't count worth much. If, if, if a person say, now you said yes, but are you really going to do it? Your yes should be enough to convince people that you're going to do it. That person said, yes, I know them. They do what they say. It addresses a situation, even in this point, that a person needs to be careful the types of oath that they make. 
You're not even required to give an oath. There we are. Because we want something right and then we promise. And then after we leave, we say, why did I promise that? I've done it. I promise to do it. And then start thinking, how can I get out of this? Would have been better if I never promised. So I am today learning, learning, learning. Don't keep promising. Just say yes. I can say, I'm going to try to do that. To give yourself a way out. I'm going to attempt to do that. My plan is, my desire next week is to be. Don't be asking me. Now you promise, Pastor? I hope to. <laughs> you don't grant you don't gain credibility with God by making sloppy oaths and sloppy promises. God is not impressed. He just says, Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And so he says in verse number four of Leviticus, chapter five. Of a person thoughtlessly, thoughtlessly, does not even think about it, just thoughtlessly, thoughtlessly takes an oath to do anything, whether good or evil. Whether he means to do something good, the Bible puts him, whether evil or good, in any manner one might carelessly swear about. Even though he might be unaware of it, he did something and didn't know. What did, I, what did I say? He's guilty. He's guilty. The Lord is trying to structure things as he's, leading the children of Israel to a, to a place where they've come out of Egypt and they have now, they're now walking or going to the promised land. And the Lord says, I've got to get Egypt out of my people and I have to get my word in my people. They've got to know what the standard is. They've got to know that they are accountable to one another and they are accountable to me. I've already began to I establish who I was when they were in Egypt when I was when I, when, I, when I did those ten plagues in Egypt, I was showing who I was. My people saw my hand. And then not only that, when we got to the Red Sea, I took them around a place where I know they would be trapped. I took them on the side of the sea to where there's a sea and there's the mountain. Nowhere to go. And then coming up behind them is Pharaoh and his army. And the people said, oh my goodness, look who's coming behind. We've got no place to go, no place to go. And they said to Moses, did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us right here? Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? And Moses said, look at what the Lord is going to do. Now what the Bible does not say, and we have to be very sure that it's in there, I think this is a, kind of a humorous part for me. When they were at the Red Sea, when the people said this and Moses was acting strong, somewhere he went to the Lord God, what are we going to do? Lord said, why are you crying out to me? Move forward. Raise that staff to the sea. And when he did, the sea departed. Time to be praying, Moses. 
He said it's time to move. Sometimes we want to stop and pray and do all, and the Lord says it's time to move. The Lord is telling his people, I'm going to take you to a place and give you my word, and this is what you're going to do. And so as they're standing here getting these laws, the Lord says, you treat one another right. When there's wrong, speak up. Quickly going through point number three. Reaping what you sow. Reaping what you sow is point number three. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 16 through 19. The course scene is one most interesting scenario. It's a a situation when we think of court that even when we get to the judgment, the Lord even describes the kind of the scene of the judgment. And, And the scene of the court in heaven is the judgment seat of God. And when we consider and think about this throughout the Bible, the Bible oftentimes depicts and shows the, 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 the trials or shows um, when judgment is meted out, he depicts it as a court scene. And even in this passage here, we again view this scene even as one dealing with court. The Lord is the one who ultimately oversees the process that is being institute, instituted. Do you not know that the laws that God has established here are oftentimes the very laws that are even imposed and outlined today? When you think about court, many of the laws in the courts today, they come right from the Bible. They come from the Word of God. When you think about even this, that a person could not be convicted if only one person came forward in the Bible. There had to be at least two witnesses. Even today, they look for multiple witnesses. When we think about there being a judge, he is is supposed to be, or she is supposed to be, one that deals with uh, uh, justice or handles situations fairly. The Bible says that a Malicious witness must stand before the Lord. And I find that interesting. If a person comes as a malicious witness, and their intent is to say something that's not true, the Bible says, the judges investigate it. Let's just read it briefly. One witness is not enough, verse 15 in fact, to convict a man accused of any crime or offense he may have committed. The matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse a man of a crime, the two men involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priest and the judges who are in office at that time. The judges must make a thorough investigation 
Do you not know that truth does not just automatically fall and slip into your lap? you got to investigate. And here's something I want to I press upon your heart. Wherever the truth leads, follow it. Don't get to the point today we got people go, oh, that's the truth. Mm, that's not what I, that's not the result I want. I want a different result. And so we have what's called uh, people rewriting history. Rewriting stuff that they don't want to see. I don't like that truth. I'm going to change it. I don't like the outcome. It was wherever the truth led, that's what it was. And if the individual was found to be guilty, the Bible says whatever the penalty he was trying to have for that person, he's going to have to get it. How many of y'all remember Haman in the Bible? Haman wanted to kill the Jewish nation that was in captivity because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him nor pay him honor. And so he built a gallows to hang him on. But the Lord so intervened that there was a plot one day discovered about two scoundrels, at least that we know of, planning to kill the king. And Mordecai overheard it and reported it, and it was found to be true. They investigated found to be true, and they were killed. Now, get this, as I come to a conclusion for today. When the matter was discovered, nothing was done for Mordecai. But one night the king couldn't sleep and began to have the annals of the king's, the records read, and come to find out there was a plot, and he goes, Mordecai, oh, what was done for that man, Mordecai? Nobody said nothing. Well, at that time, i got to cut this short. The person who hated him come walking into the chamber, Haman. And, and, and the king says, what should we do for the man that loves God, the man that, or man that pleases the king, and he goes through and gives all this stuff? What should be done for this person who uh, um, um, does such and such a thing? And Haman's thinking the king is talking about him. Well, he should allow the king to, to this person to be, to, to ride on the king's horse and to be clothed this way, to have all the people give honor? He says, great, now go do that for Haman. I'm going to go do that for Mordecai. Haman, you go do that for Mordecai, and you parade him in front and say, this is what the king does for anyone who pleases him. Humiliated. Come to also be discovered that Mordecai had a relative named Esther that was queen at this time, and she was the one to help save the Jews. But let me just say this and get to my point. When it was discovered that Haman had evil intentions, the king was furious. And the king was told, Oh, king, by the way, Haman has built a gallows to hang Mordecai on. And the king said, Good, hang him on it. You reap what you sow. You reap. What you sow. That principle still holds true today. The lifestyle that we reap, sometimes years later we are still reaping some of the things that we've done years ago. There are things only for God's mercy when things that we've done that the blood has covered that the Lord did not allow us to experience. Thank God. There's so many things that God forgives us and we don't experience, but it's talking about a persistence also, many times when one doesn't change, 
We just say, I ain't changing, and continue to do a lifestyle outside of God's will. Oftentimes, people that live a violent life die a violent life. Not always, but that's kind of, that's the pattern. The principle here is that we reap what we sow. And I tell you this today as we conclude. When the Bible is giving these instructions for the people, the Lord is wanting to make very clear that the, the crime or whatever that has happened, the witness, whoever it may be, whatever it's done, it must be judged with integrity. It must be judged and carried out without any type of um, sympathy. It is to be meted out as is. Don't spare them is what the Lord says. You see, because when you're under the law, that's how we die. There's, there's, there's really no grace under law. The law says this happens, this is the consequence. It, 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 is, it is the grace of God that provides the covering even when we deserve to die. The Lord comes along and says, I'm going to forgive you that. And even with this, the Lord says, even when a person sins and does this, if the person repents, depending on what it is, because there are some things that were just capital punishment. But there are situations where the Lord says, I want the person to be paid 20% above whatever it was that was done to them, and there's an offering for the Lord. Remember this, whenever you sin against one person of the Lord, you're sinning against God. And God is ultimately the judge. May the Lord bless you.